Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. Now, given the COVID-19 scenario, we've moved to recording our interviews via Skype or Zoom, but hopefully you won't notice much difference in the quality. My guest today is Jane Casey, the Irish crime author who has written 13 novels. She's best known for her series featuring the police officer Maeve Kerrigan and she's just released the latest title featuring Maeve called The Cutting Place. Jane has won the Best Crime Book of the Year Award at the Irish Book Awards twice and she's also received the Mary Higgins Clark Award among others. Jane, your books have only been on shelves for about 10 years but as we said, you've managed to pump out 13. How did you do that? Um, Fear... (laughs) Uh, I find if you have a deadline, um, then you you really have to just write something in the time available. Um, So so a lot of it is just knowing that the book had to be written and then writing the book. Um, They do they do stack up after a while, after 10 years. And you write fast. I write fairly quickly. Um, Not at the moment, I have to say. I think I've, I've slowed down massively over the last few weeks and months. Um, with everything else that's been going on. So I I probably, I'm quite efficient about writing um, and I edit as I go along. So I'll kind of edit the previous day's work as I go along. So I tend to do one draft and by the time it sees an editor, it's been through all the different kind of editorial tweaks that I want to do to it and then the editor will take it forward from there. So it's quite an efficient way of doing it. And how long generally are those first drafts? They're usually in or around 100,000 words, so I'm, I'm fairly good at hitting the mark. I, I always think I'm going to come up short, and then I find myself adding chapters towards the end. Now, you were a books editor, a children's books editor, before you actually started moving into writing, so that was some leap going from, from children right to crime. Um, it was, and I think part of it was that I wanted to do something totally different to the day job. Um, I really enjoyed being a children's books editor. I, I found it so rewarding and it's such a lovely bit of publishing and the people who read children's books really care about them. Um, so it was a fantastic way to work, but it wasn't quite enough for me. And I think um, I always wanted to write. I always enjoyed reading crime and the two things just sort of came together for me in about, uh, I suppose it was 2008 that I started writing what became my first book. And did you have an idea when you sat down? I did. I had an idea that I had kind of had in my head for a while and it had sort of, I'd sort of been daydreaming about it without actually ever thinking, well, I'm going to turn this into a book one day. So when I, when I sat down to write first, my whole thing was just that I really wanted to get to the end of a book. Like I wanted to write a whole book and see if I could do it. So it's a bit like running a marathon, I think. Like you, you, the first one that you do is is just to see if you actually can. And then you start thinking about whether you can get better at it or whether your training could have been better or whatever. You know, you, there there are the challenges, first of all, to do it and to get to an ending. So when you got to the end, then how did you feel? Um, when I got to the end, I thought because I had been what I did was I got up early in the morning uh, to write. And I'm I'm not a morning person <laughs> at all. Um, so I had put in a lot of effort to getting to this point where it was a finished book. And um I thought what I really wanted to do was use it to get an agent. So the first ambition was to finish it. The second ambition was to get an agent. 
um, because I knew from being an editor that agents are the ones who open the doors for you. You know, any writer who is serious about their work needs an agent, I think, unless even, even though I was from a publishing background, I still wouldn't have wanted to try and take it forward myself at that point. Um, and so I looked at the finished book and I kind of tweaked it a bit and then I sent it out to five different agents who I had kind of thought might be good um, and might be good to represent me and they all turned it down. Really? Every one of them. Um, I didn't hear from a couple of them but like it was just kind of across the board they just said no, not, not, not doing it for me. So I went off and I tweaked it some more and I rewrote the first chapter and I rewrote my cover letter and then I sent it out to another five agents and um, three of them came back straight away and said they wanted to meet me and so it was all some of it is trial and error some of it is luck some of it is timing Um, but that was how it worked for me. And did you get much feedback from the five who turned it down and did that help you then afterwards? No you never really get feedback from you know from a rejection um it takes so much time for them to read what they get anyway. Uh, so you kind of have to read into it yourself. I, ha- I did ask a few friends. At that stage, I showed it to a couple of people. And one of them pointed out that I was writing an awful lot about hedges in the first chapter because I was kind of trying to write myself into the story. And um, this is something that you learn as you go as you go through your career, I think. The first chapter that you write is like the first pancake they're always terrible and you should just throw it away when you get to the end and, and not even bother with it and, and write a new one. And that's what usually happens with my first chapters. So on the second outing then, you said you got three agents who came back. So how did you decide or did they choose you or what happened? Um, I met one of them first uh, and he, this was Simon Truen, who is um, a very well-known agent and he's brilliant at working with debut authors. Um, he was he had a, a very, very good assistant who had picked it up on a Friday afternoon as she was leaving the office and rang me on the Saturday morning and said, I've just read your manuscript and um, can you come in and see us? So I was sort of, they had been so quick to react um, and I met them and I just thought that they were incredibly impressive. And actually, his assistant is now my agent. She's now a full-time agent and she now represents me. So it's always been there the whole way through my career. Um, so uh, it was a, a really kind of, um, it was such a special moment to get that phone call. And I think that was almost the most exciting thing in the whole experience of being a published author was having someone ring up and for the first time say, we believe in you and we think that this can be something that you do as a career. Because up to that point, I'd never had anyone sort of say that or encourage me in that way. And it's such encouragement, though, absolutely, for you to have confidence then in yourself to continue on. Yeah, and also because, I mean, agents invest so much in their authors before they send anything out to anyone. They they really put in a lot of work behind the scenes. I think a lot of people don't realise. Um, and this is why you don't kind of expect to get much back if you get a rejection, because they, they are trying to divide their time between their different responsibilities and areas of, of interest. Um, but yeah, Simon and Ariella really, really put in a lot of work on the manuscript before it ever got sent to any actual editors. And is it true that you found out you were pregnant with your first child and that you got a publishing deal on exactly the same day? Yeah, I, I have to say <laughs> the timing could not have been more ironic. And the, I mean, I think it was good that it wasn't twins and a one book deal. It was it was a baby. <laughs> a two book deal. Um at least that was the that was the upside. But yes, uh, that all happened on the same day. 
So I had one book in the bag, and then I had to write the second book um, while I was sort of trying to manage. I thought I was going to write it on maternity leave, uh, which I think anyone who's ever been on maternity leave will have a hollow laugh at that point. Um, And so I managed somehow to write the second book with a newborn hanging around. And did you feel any pressure with the second book? Did you feel it had to be better, even better than the first one? Yeah, the second book, um, I had an idea for the second book from the very beginning. Uh, and I had sort of thought about it and worked on it and kind of um, pitched it to various people and got a fairly positive response. And then I pitched it to my editor and she said, no, don't don't write that. Really kind of almost at the point where I needed to start writing something. And she said, uh, I would really rather that you write the first book in a series. Um, I want you to come up with a series character and I want you to start writing about a series character because... Readers don't remember authors. They don't remember author names. They don't really care who wrote a book, but they really care about characters. So go away and come up with a compelling character. Um, and so that was the challenge. And I think I probably spent a weekend thinking about it and then uh, sent her in an outline which became the first in the Maeve Kerrigan series. So you always knew then it was going to be a series or that was the plan as opposed to a, a standalone? Yeah, I'd been asked to write a series. Um, I wasn't sure if it was going to get picked up again beyond the first book. I think that's something, the uncertainty in a writer's career is always that you're working from one contract to the next and your editor can move on or you can have a different interest or, you know, things change. So I had no idea at this point that it was going to end up being, you know, at this stage, a nine book series. Um, I knew that I was writing one and that I would probably get to write two more. But I didn't know where it was all going to finish. I still don't. Uh, and that was in some ways good, I think, because I'm not sure I would have found it as easy to write the first one if I'd known that I it was going to set the tone for so many other books. Um, but it was daunting to say the least. Is there anything you change now in the first book that would have helped you I suppose make sure that you had enough of a narrative to keep you going for 10 books? Um, If I said I would change almost all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm very fond of the first book in the series but it's not typical of the rest in terms of how the story is told Um, and one one thing about it is that it doesn't have one of the main characters in the series so the the series is basically shared now between Maeve Kerrigan And her boss, Josh Derwent, who is a very um, polarizing figure. Uh, He's he's very um, aggressive and abrasive and masculine and um, unreconstructed. And he has an absolute heart of gold. And he doesn't turn up into the second book in the series. And I think it's a shame that he's not somewhere in the first one because he's such a key part of the series as it's developed and as Maeve's character has developed, their relationship is really um, at the centre of it. So I, I'm sorry that he's not there in the beginning. Um, he does take up a lot of energy when he's in a book. Mm-hmm. And he turned up in the second one in the series. And I was only going to have him in that book. He was a throwaway minor character. And then I started writing the third book in the series, which is called The Last Girl. And uh, the beginning of that is Maeve driving to see um, a crime scene. And turned out she was in the passenger seat when I started writing it and he was driving the car. And I thought, where has he come from? But he had he had returned and he's never left. I think he's mellowed a little bit over over the course of the series. Oh, he definitely has. I mean, I think that's the nice thing about writing a series. You can show the characters reacting to one another 
and reacting to events. Um, and he has definitely changed. He's softened. He is uh, more open with Maeve. Um, he's holding a lot of stuff back. I think I can say that without giving anything away. He still has a lot to share with her that he hasn't up to now. So um, there's much to say about him. And in terms of that character development over the course of the series, I mean, how have you found that? Is it hard to try and, and always have something there or something new or interesting that the reader will get from each book in terms of the character or each character? Well, this, is, this is where I start sounding a little bit insane um, because I think of the characters as being a bit like friends of mine. So every time I sit down to write a book, I'm kind of checking in with them and finding out what's been going on with them since I last saw them. Um, they kind of they sort of tell me themselves what what's happening or how they how they're going to develop and sometimes it does surprise me how, <laughs> how things go. And how far ahead do you plan then? Um, I know roughly what's going to happen in the next three or four books in the series as far as the main characters go, and I have some idea of what might happen with the sort of the the plot for that individual book for the next two or three. Um, but really, it's only once I start. There's a moment where something clicks for me, where there's like an image or a phrase and a place and a character and suddenly it will turn into a book idea. So that's until you have all of those pieces in place, I don't think you can start writing. And for each book itself, then, do you actually plot out each one or do you just sit down and write? Uh, I'm a big plotter. Um, I know that this is something that really divides authors. Uh, <laughs> some people are very into kind of post-its and colour coding and all that kind of thing. I don't do that. I, I try and keep it. Like you get into things that look like leaving cert revision timetables <laughs> when you start highlighting everything in different colours and it feels like you're working, but actually you're not achieving anything. So I keep it very restrained, but I do a chapter plan before I start writing and I kind of spread out the story over 30 chapters, say. Um, and see where I can, what needs tightening up, what isn't really a chapter, what is an undeveloped bit of the story that I thought I might wing when I got there. Um, and it's a good way of sort of troubleshooting the plot before I start writing. Now, I always move away from it as I write because things just develop in your head. And I think you have to leave yourself, the, you have to give yourself permission, basically, to change what your original intentions were, because invariably that's better. Um, I think the book has life to it if if you let it develop, uh, whereas if you keep yourself very rigidly to a plan, you can end up turning out something that's technically fine, but doesn't have the kind of emotional swell that you needed to have to really uh, hook your reader and, and sweep them off their feet. And there's a huge amount of different crimes obviously committed over the course of the series. So in terms of research then, how do you approach that? I asked my husband about it. <laughs> so he's a criminal he's, barrister, which is very, very handy. <laughs> he's like a walking compendium of crime. Like he's an encyclopedia of crimes past and present. I'm really lucky. He's um, He is a criminal barrister. He's always been interested in crime and in policing. Um, he also works as a he's a volunteer police officer in his spare time. Um, so he goes out and, and does response policing. So when you call 999, he turns up on your doorstep, basically, is, is his his bit of the job. Um, and so he's he's brilliant. He has um, direct experience of so much to do with this. And in his day job, he would deal with people who investigate murders as their 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 day job or people who investigate kidnappings or you know, really serious crimes. So 
Whenever I have a question, if he can't answer it, he knows someone who can. So is it non-stop chat about crime and criminal acts in your house then, yeah? Like, I can't tell you. I mean, really, <laughs> over morning breakfast tea, that's that's what we talk about. And then last thing at night. No, I mean, it is like, we're really lucky that we're both fascinated by it in different ways. He would never write a crime novel and I would never want to be a barrister. But I think we have enough common ground in the middle that um, we, we tend to enjoy talking about this kind of thing. It works for you. Exactly. So it's been pretty much a book a year nearly for Maeve at this point over the past decade or so. So at this stage, how long is it taking you to, to write each one? It's about, I usually allow myself about four months to write what becomes the first draft that goes to my editor, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, it's usually uh, about three months of thinking about it before that. Um, and I, I have a nice kind of Routine, really, where it's usually I've delivered the book for next year by the time I start doing publicity for the book that's coming out. So my editor is working on it while I'm doing things like interviews and and what have you, which I find is very distracting from writing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that happens in the background. She's sort of thinking about it. And then by the time I finish my publicity cycle and my events and things, then it's ready for me to do rewrites on it and to do the copy edits and the proofreading and all of the really tedious bits that come after you actually do the writing. So how many more books do you think there'll be then in the series? I don't know. That's honestly the truth. I I think it would definitely take a couple of books if I decided to wrap it up, which I have no real intention of doing at the moment because I still find it compelling for me personally to write it. Um, It would definitely take a couple of books to get to a point where I felt that I was ready for the characters to kind of come to some sort of ending. So... Nothing dramatic is going to happen. <laughs> we'll just have to have to wait and see. And then in terms of publishers over the course of, of the series, how has that worked out? Have you stayed with the same one or have you moved around? I actually moved, which is very unusual. I um, I started off at Penguin Random House um, and they were great. They were very good publishers. And then um, HarperCollins approached me and I was kind of in two minds about whether I wanted to move. But actually, I... Completely fell in love with my editor at HarperCollins. Um, we have such a good relationship. She is an extremely experienced lady called Julia Wisdom. Such an appropriate name for her. I was about to um, say. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Nominative determinism. Um, but she's she has really, uh, she has steered the course for the last three books. And I feel um, there's a lot more to come because of her input. So it, it's very unusual to move with the, with your characters. Like usually people would just start a new series when they change publishers. So I've been really lucky to take them with me. And in the middle of, of that past decade then as well, while you were writing Maeve, you also developed a young adult series. Why did you go down that road? Was that to go back to your, your children's editor's days? It was it was massively self-indulgent. Um, I had uh, You're allowed, Jane, you're allowed. <laughs> I think it's good to write something that's not your kind of everyday. Like I really do think you should write what's in your your heart, the books that you want to see in the world or the books that you yourself want to read. So I really wanted to write something for teenagers. I had been an editor for teenagers and I um I really loved that kind of world. I, I always think that uh, teen fiction is a bit like pop music. So it's short and it's really it can it can move you so profoundly um, and it can be so impactful and it can be so fun and you can just play around in a very short space. Um, and I really just wanted to try it. So I, I wrote uh, 
three books in the Jess Tennant series um, about a young girl who goes to live in her mother's old hometown and all of the sort of secrets that she uncovers about what's been going on there. Um, and it was great fun. But I, I think I kind of got it out of my system. In right. Because I was going to say, is there any more to come there? Or what about actual children's books for smaller, smaller children? I think there's such an art to writing children's books. Um, I think my background in children's books has made me very aware that the kind of people who do it well are extraordinarily talented. There is nowhere to hide with a children's book. Um, so I, I think I leave it to them. I'm very, I'm very pleased to buy their books and to promote them as much as I can. But it's it's not my area. And what about another standalone or even changing genre? Well, I'm actually writing a standalone for next year. So there won't be a full length Maeve Kerrigan novel next year. Um, I'm doing a book about a barrister. I don't know where I got that really? idea from. <laughs> um, but somebody who is, she's a, a young female barrister and um, she becomes concerned that someone is trying to kill her. So she turns for help to an old client of hers who is a man that she absolutely cannot trust. Interesting. Although slightly devastated, there won't be a full-length Maeve, though. You know, in the meantime, we're going to have to have to wait for that one, you know. Well, there'll be bits and pieces. I'm going to do, um, I've, I've already written one uh, novella that's going to be an ebook, and there will be at least one more. And I'm really, really excited about that one. I think it's going to be a huge amount of fun. And I know there had been talk previously about sort of Maeve making it to the screen. Is that something that's still on the agenda? I mean, it's still something I would love. Um, it hasn't it hasn't come about yet. I think so many books get optioned and then nothing happens with them or, you know, you just have to hope for the best. But I would love to see her on screen. I think it would be uh, different, a little bit different from other things that are out there. And um, it would be it would be great fun. But I'm at the moment I'm in charge. I get to say what happens with her story. And I think as soon as TV gets involved, then what they want and need is different. So. It can be an interesting balancing act. And I know you live in, in London, but you're very much part of the, the Irish book community. And there's great camaraderie, I suppose, among that community and particularly among crime writers. Why do you think that is? Oh, we're so lucky. Like, I think we all get on really well. I think possibly it's because we work out a lot of our frustrations in our books. Like you can always kill off somebody who's <laughs> annoying and just, just rename the character at the last minute. Um, but I, I've had tremendous support from people like Liz Nugent, Sinead Crowley, Patricia Gibney, like all of these incredible writers who um, are have come up in the last few years. And I feel like the last 10 years have been remarkable for Irish crime writing. Um, and I just can't wait to see what's coming next. Yeah, there. I find that there's just such a wealth of, of talent, you know, and it's great that it's being fostered. And a huge amount of females. We've got some great male crime writers, but the amount of females is is quite staggering when you think about it. Absolutely. I should mention Jo Spain is probably the hardest working woman in Irish crime writing. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, that this is it. I, 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 I'm a firm believer in that line that if you can see something, then you can you can be it. And I feel like the more of us there are, the more other writers feel, well, maybe this is something that actually I could do. And I love the unique twists that Irish crime writers bring to the genre. I feel like we're experimental and we are a little bit braver about testing the boundaries of the genre than maybe some other other types of crime writers. So, And like genuinely, I do think crime writers are the most fun people you can be around. Um, They tend to be very irreverent and laid back. (laughs) 
Well, Jane Casey, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books and you'll find all of Jane's books online at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books IRE. If you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production 